This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. I love this movie so much. You do. <laughs> I really do. I I have, in the last year, watched this movie maybe three times, and only one of them was because we decided to do it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't seen it more. I've seen it prior to that. <laughs> That's oh, just in the oh, last year. <laughs> oh, got it. Got it. Yes. 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 Cabin in the Woods. I've stayed in a cabin in the woods. Have you? I have, yes. This cabin was pretty dilapidated. <laughs> it was. And I <laughs> I like how they come into this cabin. It's in the middle of nowhere. Obviously, no cell reception. The road coming in is dirt. They're very rural. And they start noticing off things about the cabin immediately. And Marty, our resident stoner character, who is my favorite character in this movie, <laughs> He's so good, is just like maybe they needed to have interrogation rooms in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> Cabins I've stayed in have not looked like this. My family had a cabin in Big Bear. It was very cute, uh, very very nice inside and cozy. And I've stayed in KOA cabins, which are pretty rustic. They don't have bathrooms in them, but they're clean. They don't look like this. What kind of cabins have you stayed in? I have stayed in, you know, houses in the mountains. (laughs) So not even like a log cabin, right? Like these are places that have like, normal rooms they're maybe a little bit rural maybe there's a long driveway that's dirt to get into it with like not many people around or like very far out but nothing that is to the degree of what we see in this movie probably because horror movies have trained me to be deeply suspicious of cabins that look like this it's true And uh, with all the tropes going on in this movie, you'd think they would have looked at it, turned around, and left right away. But we learn um, why they are stuck there and why they don't think to leave until it's too late. This movie's like a comfort movie for me. Yeah? It's great. Yeah. I think that this movie, um, Cabin in the Woods, came out in 2011. It just strikes like such a good balance. And looking at the director, Drew um, Goddard, I realized that he um, directed some other movies or was involved in the writing or production of movies um, that are also pretty good. Notably, Bad Times at the El Royale. Have you seen that Hmm. one? I haven't. I've actually never heard of it. It's actually a very fun thriller movie. It's Okay. It's like really... It's t- it's a tight movie, and I was like, oh, man, this is just like the mark of a good filmmaker. 
<laughs> and so I was like, oh, he's made other good stuff. He was also involved in Cloverfield and The Martian. I love Cloverfield. Yeah, he's done a, a lot of really kind of high profile movies. He's done, you know, with Cloverfield. He also was involved with the Cloverfield sequel. So he's done some other horror type movies. And I have to admit, I did not look up who wrote this movie, but I need to. <laughs> <laughs> Is this his first comedy? comedy horror you know I'm not sure I did not go all the way back in his filmography but it does seem like this is maybe the only comedy that he's worked on okay yeah it's very horror forward so I was just curious yeah I'm, I, that, that wouldn't surprise me let's get a quick summary and then let's jump into the cast it's got a it's got a good cast in this movie we have five friends who are taking a vacation to a cabin in the woods and in their journey to this cabin and in their first few hours at the cabin there are some suspicious events happening around them but not enough to dissuade them from continuing on their journey to this cabin they you know see a creepy local the cabin is very rural <laughs> uh they're all exhibiting some bizarre personality shifts um you know we've got our blonde bimbo Jules, who was not normally a blonde bimbo we'll get a little bit more into those stereotypes later <laughs> but just those little things that um should have maybe put them on high alert they do not get into high alert once at the cabin they trigger during the night a haunting uh, and there are these redneck zombie killer <laughs> family members who come to try and kill them all and the punchline under all of this is that we the audience know that this has been engineered top to bottom by an secret international organization <laughs> who relies on killing uh, young people in very horror movie style tropes to appease some ancient gods. And so all of this ritual needs to go off without a hitch to make sure the world doesn't end. I think this is the first movie I've ever seen or I had ever seen with Chris Helmsworth in it. This was my first experience with Chris Helmsworth. I think it's Chris Hemsworth. I don't think there's an Well, element. whatever. Isn't there? <laughs> Now I got to look this up. I okay. don't believe you. I can't look it up real quick. <laughs> it is. It's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Just leave it. <laughs> Just leave it. <laughs> well, it's the first movie I'd seen with him <laughs> in it. I don't know where I got the L from. <laughs> and I thought he was really funny. I really liked his character in this movie. I agree. I, I think that this was the first movie I saw him in, too. He was not super famous at the time. I actually think his brother, uh, Liam Hemsworth, uh, was more famous at Who? the time because he was in the Hunger Game franchise. Oh. Yeah. So. Who does he play? He plays Gale. Liam, Liam Hemsworth plays Gale in the Hunger Games movies. Who's Gale? <laughs> How deep are we going to go on Hunger Games, Meg? Oh, my God. I mean, I've seen him, but, man, I cannot remember character names. <laughs> he was yes, in the I Love Triangle. Yes, I remember him. He was in the Love yes. Triangle. Okay, yep. yeah. 
I was trying to think who looks like Chris Hemsworth in that movie. <laughs> and then that came to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think that Chris Hemsworth is underrated for his comedy. Yes, I agree. These hot guys are always put in these very pigeonholed roles, right? They play a superhero or an action star, but I mean, he's funny. He's a good actor. He <laughs> There's is, more to him. He is so funny. And I think that his character in this is really, like, endearing. I like his character. I'm rooting for his character. Like, he plays the jock, but I'm like, oh, I like this guy. It, it, he's, he's a nice guy. I agree. And he, of course, has, like, gone super famous uh, after this um, because he was cast in Thor. And then he's been in, like, 17,000 Marvel movies since then. (laughs) He'll probably be in Marvel movies for the next 40 years. It's great. Oh, my. So the other kind of main characters, the other teens, early 20s folks in here are also celebrities in their own right, although maybe not quite as big. Anna Hutchinson, um, she's actually a New Zealand actress. Um, she plays Jules. Oh. Yeah, she's been in some um, some smaller movies. Jesse Williams, he plays Holden. He's been in a bunch of TV shows. Same thing for Fran Kranz, who plays Marty, and Kristen Connolly, who plays Dina. They've all been in kind of like TV and maybe more like yeah. B-, B or C list type movies. So they're not quite as household name as Chris Hemsworth is. No. But we also get Richard Jenkins. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's one of the office workers. I love this guy. I think he is such a good actor. He does comedy really well. He's in Burn After Reading, Step Brothers, and many, Mm -hmm. many, many more. I just love this guy. I'm going to be so sad when we lose him. (laughs) I hate thinking about it. He is great, as is Bradley Whitford. Yeah. Who was in Get Out. And again, many, many, many other things. <laughs> but, yes. But they do, have, they do have some comedy slash horror chops. And these two, as the, <laughs> as the like ops engineers almost of this, <laughs> of this whole <laughs> shenanigan, have incredible chemistry. Like you oh, just feel so good. like these are guys who have been coworkers for a million years. Yeah. Yeah. They have this nice like inane conversation at the start of the movie just about bullshit, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're coworkers. They're just talking about bullshit and I think Bradley Whitford's character is talking about his wife uh preparing for for a baby even though they're not pregnant and and then all of a sudden the the movie is stamped on the screen and it's like freaky like it just jolts you out of this office scene and you're like oh right this is a horror movie (laughs) it totally sets the tone they're so good together they're just incredible and like I think that all of the performances from all of the actors in this this is just gonna be me gushing for the next like 45 minutes it's great but like it's so fun yeah these guys are really just like such a like fun counterbalance to all of the things that are happening with the with the (laughs) teens and I was thinking about this movie, especially thinking of it in this season, which is comedy horror and how much this movie feels like a workplace comedy. Totally. Yeah. All the jokes are centered around things you do in the office, except now their job is murdering people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very dark. 
there's a great bit where they've got <laughs> that guy that they've got freelanced out to be the the scary hillbilly and he's like am I on speakerphone and they're trying to like you know signal to each other to like not laugh because they know that this guy's hilarious to listen to <laughs> yeah I do love that joke <laughs> I love doing it to this day <laughs> to people we also get a cool cameo by Sigourney Weaver yes our girl our scream queen we love her this is the third movie that we have covered that's got Sigourney Weaver in it so yeah great cast really cool concept for this movie I thought it was very smart really enjoyed watching it I think that this movie is perfect for the comedy season I also think it would have fit in really well with our ritual season two totally yeah it's definitely getting that metadata tag on our blog. Yes. <laughs> it I is think totally that, a ritual movie. I think it totally checks that box too and would have been really interesting to talk about in terms of all of the other rituals, but I just laugh so much when I watch this movie. Totally. I love the stereotypes that we cover immediately. Immediately when this movie kicks off, it feels like a standard teen, either teen horror movie or just teen, like going to hang out, coming of age, bunch Sex of teens comedy. being assholes movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Either totally. it could go either way. And uh, I remember the first time watching this thinking, like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> and then just being so pleasantly surprised. It is funny because. They play both sides of it in the first few minutes of introducing these characters where you're like, okay, here's our blonde, dumb girl. But then all of her friends are confused because she's like a chemistry major. Yeah. All these people are smart. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> in real oh, life, she's yeah. a chemistry major and also is normally brunette. Why did she dye her hair blonde? <laughs> and why is she acting yeah. like this? Right. And her hair looks good. Like this girl supposedly got her hair dyed blonde out of a box. I don't buy it. No way. <laughs> I've dyed my hair out of a box. It never looks that good. <laughs> <laughs> she looks great. She's got her jock boyfriend, Chris Hemsworth. Who is also a smart guy. He's uh, an excellent student. I, I forget what his, what is his uh, major? It's like, like econ or political Sociology. science or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because later in the movie, uh, you know, he turns into a horn dog and we'll talk about why, but I think Marty goes, he's a sociology major. Why is he acting like such a bozo? <laughs> why is he, why is he, uh, yeah. Being so like testosterone-y basically. He's a smart guy. He's nice to his girlfriend. Like they, they kind of like make jokes about her reading books. It's, it's very like, they're college kids. They're not, they're not horrible people. Mm -hmm. We have our nerd virgin who isn't even really a virgin. I love that joke. <laughs> At the very end of the movie, they're like, and our virgin. And she's like, what? Me? What? And they're like, we take what we can get. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what is she? Has she had sex or has she just done oral or has she had sex and they're allowed to get away with that? It's it's kind of funny for the ritual. I, I know, I know. It seems like so, like loose. Uh, we've got our stoner. <laughs> yep, gotta have a stoner in one of these. He's uh, of course single. No girls are part of this group for him. 
I know. So sad. He doesn't have like a partner to pair up with. Um, he's just kind of the comedic relief, a little bit of a fifth wheel with this group. Yeah. But Marty is so funny. And uh, we will learn later why he is also savvy <laughs> to a lot of stuff that's going on. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we have our token black guy um, who is, again, very smart. <laughs> yep. And he is just supposed to be like a nice guy, token black guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's just a nice, yeah, nice friend who's new to the school and new new to the, not new to the school, but new to the football team and, and new to this group of friends. So we've got all the stereotypes covered with all these characters. Although you don't know it, you really don't know it at first because everybody seems to fit a role, but at their core, they are just like you and I. <laughs> they are just normal people who get a raw deal. Right. It seems like, oh, superficially they would fit into this box, but because we're spending time with them and we're seeing how they're talking on this road trip and hanging out in this cabin, you're like, oh, yeah, like they're not acting like that until the situation gets engineered to make them behave a certain way. And we should definitely talk about that engineering. What I what I think is so cool about this movie is that it offers an explanation for every weird decision or stereotype in any horror movie that has ever existed, right? Yes, I love how they they show us that there's this organization that is trying to appease these gods via ritual sacrifice and they have not just a u.s facility they have a japan and a sao paulo and a munich and <laughs> korea like they have all of these different branches to this organization that are also running their own experiments and so it's not just the American horror movie stereotypes of the, you know, virgin friend and the jock, but we also have the kindergartners facing off against a Japanese ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. I do too. I love, I love that we get like a glimpse into, oh, and this is how we solve this for international horror movies that don't follow the same tropes that we do. It's because yeah. they have different ritual steps that they're trying to follow as well. Right. There's a to there's a reason for it. I like the first flag to us that this is um, all engineered, and that is when we see the eagle flying into the force field. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so the force field now represents the section of world that this organization has control over, and so that kind of tells you a lot, right? Like it tells you why these guys can't escape and maybe why any other group of friends in a horror movie couldn't escape their situation. Good thing we didn't see that eagle flying into the force field when uh, they were crossing the bridge <laughs> and not while they were in the tunnel because that could have given it away. But it's very convenient. I will give them that. It's a nice like little like wink to the audience of like, oh, this is going to come into play later. There's lots of things like that where it's like, oh, this yeah. is going to come in later. But here's how you know that once they're in this situation, they're locked in. Like they've been selected. They're going to be put through this ringer. 
And even if they try, like they do later in the movie, to to get out, there's like a physical barrier that will just kill them. And they've also been primed. They they are not coming into this as themselves. Jules, we talked about, is normally a brunette, and she's actually been dyeing her hair with a box of blonde that has like weird brain sapping chemicals inside of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a reason why she starts behaving like a lunatic like a sex craved uh monster at this house gathering it really makes you feel like this organization just has its fingers everywhere like it's just able to manipulate everything about your daily life once they've decided that you're going to be part of this ritual and it offers up why Locals are so creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're paid actors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mordecai. Right. I mean, he had a closed gas station, but was there and ready to fill them up with gas anyway. It's like a last stop gas station. And he's super creepy about it and ominous. And we find out later, oh, he's getting paid by this government entity to make sure they get enough gas to get there. Yes, and also to warn them, right? Like they they have a script for this guy about <laughs> them going off into this rural place and they need to be careful and be warned. And they're just kind of like, all right, dude, you're a little creepy. And then they continue on their way. And that's like part of what he's doing, right? Right. <laughs> and the fact that this like cousin's guest house is where they're going to go stay like is there even a cousin right at the end of the movie dana says i don't even think uh he has a cousin (laughs) and so i didn't quite understand how they got to the summer cabin like who who what was the story with the summer cabin was this this was supposed to be a relative of his right how did he find out about it if he doesn't know if he doesn't have a cousin. Right. Was he also kind of drugged in some way? Like they're trying to drug the others. It seems like this entity has so much control that, I mean, you're just supposed to buy. You're just supposed yeah. to buy it. You're just supposed to be like, oh, they they have decided that this is how this is going to work. And they will just manipulate these kids in whatever way they need to in order to to get them to this ritual. Yeah, drugs are a huge part of this process. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and drug in the hair dye, um the testosterone, um, horny drugs. Yeah, they've got the the chemicals that they're just like misting over yes, the pheromones. <laughs> yeah, the pheromones that they're misting <laughs> over them. And then they they did something to Marty's drugs, but he ended up using something different. And that was why he was able to kind of continue processing, although at a slow rate since he was high. Yeah. <laughs> only so fast you can process. Yes. It seemed like they were trying to pipe in drugs into the air of Marty's space, but because he was smoking weed almost constantly, um, it was negating the effects of like mind control drugs. <laughs> There's that scene where Marty is in his room and they have us like a little hidden speaker. Yeah. And they're like, I should take a walk. 
And he's like, and he's like, puppet, puppet. You're just trying to make me like a puppet. <laughs> he's like, you know what? I'm getting out of here. I'm going for yeah. a walk. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks he's come to it of his own cognizance. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah, it is funny because he's he's high enough to avoid the being tainted um, by their drugs, but he's also too high to really devote himself to to figuring this out and stopping it from getting worse. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So funny. And I mean, this is another trope that when he does go outside, he gets attacked and he is killed off screen. And this is such a classic trope that we named our podcast after it. Not quite dead. <laughs> He's not quite dead because he yeah. comes back. <laughs> he comes back. Um, but before we get to that, we have to talk about the basement scene where oh, they're yeah. where they're all kind of pushed into the basement. You know, they're playing truth or dare. They've been drinking or smoking pot, like whatever. Wait a minute. Before we go into the basement, let's talk about truth or dare. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I just, I just want to shout out that wolf makeout scene. I did not know what to think. I really didn't know what to think about it. It was so bizarre. I took it as like really, really weird. Yes. So yes. 100% <laughs> agree. Super weird. Kind of unnecessary. This was produced by Joss Whedon, who, like, not that he's been, like, Me Too canceled or whatever, but, like, he has been dragged a little bit in the last year for not being super cool with women on set. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, um, maybe there's a little bit of that, but I, if I was being very generous, which I'm inclined to because I like this movie, is that it just goes to show how like warped or like mind controlled she is right um because it is not a normal thing to do no <laughs> and she is like all in she does not hold back it's it's really funny she even does like a flirtatious walk up to the wolf head and talks to it and before she starts making out with it and she's like sucking on its teeth and it's, its gross. lips and it's <laughs> tongue and she gets some of its hair in her mouth it is so weird it's so cringy everyone's pretty grossed out except for her boyfriend of and course. i think it's like because they've been pumping them full of pheromones right <laughs> they're just trying to make them as horny as possible so that they can be the first people to go have sex <laughs> yeah because there's also an order to this whole thing like mm -hmm. it's super engineered yeah Okay, we can go to the basement now. I just wanted to talk about that weird wolf scene. <laughs> totally fair because it was a weird scene. So Dana gets dared to go hang out in the spooky, spooky basement. And she gets down there. There's, of course, no light. And this room is packed full of things that we have already seen the office workers betting on previously <laughs> the whiteboard yes this is some of that good office humor coming into play I'm sure we've all been part of an office well those of us who have worked in an office have been part of an office pool of some sort usually it's football or soccer or 
a TV show, whatever. This is about what monster they are going to awaken and summon to come kill them. (laughs) And we get this great shot or this great scene in the office of a whiteboard and everyone placing bets on what monster they think it will be. It's so good. It's so good. The list of potential monsters is insane. And I love the which departments pick which monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Like everything top to bottom. So, so, so good about the betting scene. (laughs) Did you see that there's an item on the list and it just says Kevin? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Who is Kevin? (laughs) Okay. So you know who Kevin is? It's Jason. No, I don't. It's Jason. Oh yeah. my god, you're yeah, right. Yeah, so so they can't so the in this movie, right? They're yes. referencing all of these historical like yes. monsters or killers or whatever and they don't use the same like names, trademarked names. Trade yeah. trademarked names. They use like variants of it. Kevin is Jason cuz you do see a hockey mask um yes. character at the end. Yeah, and that's Kevin. You're right. Good catch. I just thought the the name Kevin was funny. <laughs> I think Kevin is hilarious and is just as scary as Jason. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it because you know that they want it to be like like when they were coming up with this whiteboard, I'm sure when they were making this movie, they were like, oh, "Okay, we would definitely have like of course, like a zombie and a werewolf and all of that. But then they're also going to want to have Jason and Michael Myers and, <laughs> yeah. you know, all of these other like really well-known like horror movie monsters. But because they don't want to bother getting the rights for it, it makes it like infinitely funnier that it they does. just come up with like replacement names. I'm pretty sure Hell Lord is the Hellraiser guy that they Yeah, have. Pinhead for sure. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I would ha- – who would I have even picked from this? Um, I know. I mean, I love the distinction between witches and sexy witches. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so funny. It's like vampires and sexy vampires, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know which one I'd want to – I would pick. I feel like if I was, like, truly betting on, like, what I would have thought that these people picked, I would have maybe picked – the bride or something because like when they go down into the basement there's like a wedding dress and like things like that and I just feel like people would have been drawn to it um I don't think that that's like the most fun choice though because I think that there are some other much more fun ones oh I would have definitely voted for the unicorn because oh, I love unicorns naturally <laughs> I like I would have felt bad not placing money on the unicorn and also i would love to see a unicorn spear somebody to death how cool would that be (laughs) i think we do see them spear get speared at the end right right yes (laughs) right at the end (laughs) so that definitely would have been my choice the basement scene is so good because we get these cuts back and forth uh between the office workers who are cheering for their respective departments (laughs) To win, you know, and um, Hadley's character has been pulling for a merman. He he bets on it every single oh year gosh. and never gets it. In the basement, there are all of these objects that relate to the monsters on the whiteboard. And so they're just waiting for one of these 
teens to to pick one of these, right? They're like, okay, once they like kind of lock onto one and get everyone to surround it, that's like the trigger of the haunt. And they end up going with the, what is it even called? The zombie redneck torture family. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, the chem department is, of course, upset because they put their money just on zombies. Mm -hmm. And there's this really great throwaway scene where they explain the difference between uh, zombie redneck torture family and zombies. Because apparently there is a distinct difference. And also, the other great bit is that the maintenance department has to split their winnings with the intern (laughs) because the intern also... (laughs) Also put in for the zombie yes. redneck torture family. Ronald the intern, and he's trying to like get a date or something, like, you know, throw his clout around at the meeting, and nobody's interested in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a perfect office scene. It's so real. But after that haunt gets triggered, this is when we really see them ramping up, like, okay, now people have to die. And so then <laughs> they're they're really engineering all of these situations to make sure that they're dying in the right order. Like, I don't think it's until later in the movie that they start getting really specific about like, no, 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 the, they have to die in the right order. Like, you can't have right. someone die out of order. You can't have our virgin die before other people die. And right. like, like naturally, our jock and our blonde are attacked first. Yeah, they're the easiest to get because they're the first death. So people are not on their back foot. And mm-hmm. they're, they've been pumped full of hormones all night. And so they go off into the woods and start to have sex. And that's when the zombies get up. And... <laughs> The sex scene I found really funny, actually. She's on the moss. She's like laying down and she throws her hand out and her hand is like crawling around the moss. Mm -hmm. Without getting too graphic, I will just say my hand doesn't do that when I'm having sex. (laughs) (laughs) My hand is not normally doing that, but it's perfect because then a zombie can stab her through the hand and and hold her down to the ground with, with that knife. This is why I love this movie is because (laughs) it is so funny and people get killed in pretty horrible ways. I love a good humor mashup with gore. Oh, my gosh. She gets decapitated like they don't (laughs) they don't pull back from killing her and they try their best to uh, kill Chris Hemsworth's character, but he makes it back to the cabin um, before they can get him. But I think he goes next. He does. We think that Marty has been killed next. Um, but right. he Marty does but he does of. have an off-screen death, which we then learn later. He actually survives. And so, yes, technically Chris Hemsworth does die next because they're trying to escape and that electric fence we saw earlier gets him. Oh my god. I died the first time I saw that. I thought it was so funny. I remembered that the fence was there, but I was thinking, okay, I guess this movie is going to let him escape. (laughs) Because that's what I always think in movies, like horror movies, right? I'm like, okay, they're setting it up, so he's going to be all right. Nope, I was totally wrong. He smashes into the fence just like he should (laughs) have. Yep, he dies. It's awful. (laughs) It's so funny. It's really funny because it's like this big heroic moment where he's like, 
I am going to do this for us. I'm going to do this for Jules. Uh, and then he just dies. <laughs> it's so anticlimactic. <laughs> They've brought this dirt bike and he gives himself enough room to get some speed and and jump across the the ravine. I mean, it looked really far. You couldn't do that with There's a no way. with a dirt bike. There's <laughs> no, no way. Ramp. He has no ramp. He has no room to gain speed. It, yeah. It's absurd. Of course he dies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it seemed like the kind of thing he would die from anyway because there's no way you could make it. But it looks like he's going to make it and he just turns into the eagle, right? He like like runs straight into the wall and slides down to his death. It's it's hilarious. And then our nice guy really shortly after uh, gets yeah. stabbed through the neck. <laughs> he's trying to drive uh, him and Dana to safety, which Dana realizes there is no such thing anymore. So he's kind of out of options. And as they're driving, he gets stabbed by a zombie. And that's that's it for him. No more love interest for Dana. And they're at this point celebrating back at the facility because they're like, <laughs> hey, guess what? The virgin doesn't actually have to die. And I thought that was such a great addition because there yes. are so many movies Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Scream, Halloween, where everyone dies except for the girl at the end. Yeah. Yeah. The virgin is always the one who survives. And they go into great detail about this in Scream. Like this is it's such a it's such a trope that another movie based its own plot off of that trope. Exactly. I think it's <laughs> it's really great. And so they're starting to celebrate and uh, on the screen behind them is when you're watching Dana get like pulled out of the lake <laughs> from the crashed RV and <laughs> the zombie redneck dad is like looks like he's stab like stabbing her in the background as they're like popping tequila yeah. and like making margaritas. But Dana makes it. And the reason why she makes it is because Marty isn't actually dead. So Marty saves her. Right place, right time. And they find their way back to the underground lair. Which this is this is great. So like at this point, we've like checked off all of our movie tropes. Like this is like so many of the horror tropes of, you know, a group splitting up, a group going into a spooky basement, um, <laughs> having sex outdoors, like all these things that like people don't do in real life. They like do in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they all get killed. <laughs> and then Marty has just been hiding and realizes that he found this little like elevator tunnel that takes him back to the facility. And so he and Dana are like, well, what else are we going to do? Yeah, there's nowhere else to go. They might as well. So they go, they go downstairs, they go into this elevator. And I think this is just a really fun moment in the movie and honestly when I first saw it I thought oh it ends with them having to live as a monster like maybe this is how they get monsters maybe they maybe they change over time because they're stuck in this little cube I really thought it was over when they got stuck in this monster cube maze I think I had a similar thought too because I saw this movie in the theaters when it came out and uh, my mind was just blown by the cubes yes. just like this endless blackness and these what seemed like floating cubes holding every type imaginable monster. 
And I thought that they were just going to have to live with the horror of like a slow death in this cube. (laughs) But no, the movie keeps going and I'm so glad it does. Yes. (laughs) It's great. They they do get out of these cubes because it's not like we can just forget about them. The office actually needs them to die in a specific order. Otherwise calamity is to befall the entire world and so the office workers are looking for them they've they've located them and they send over a guy to take out dana and before he's able to the monsters get loose which is the best part of the movie oh my god so good i love this like just torrent of monsters that they unleash on these facility people as I was working on the kill count for this movie I was like okay then just like literally dozens of people at this facility (laughs) killed by monsters everybody yeah a lot of workplace accident and Marty and Dana like after all these people get killed um (laughs) they they end up making it to the actual like ritual space where they've there's like the blood ritual and there's this like kind of spooky ground effect of like all of these ancient gods are just being kind of held at bay underneath this site. <laughs> really unusual and like interesting. Yeah. So if this is taking place all around the world, what does it what does it look like in Japan? What does it look like in Stockholm? Like what do they have their own underground layers with their own monsters? I don't know, because I think that a lot of the monsters that we see in this one, I, I took some some notes of the monsters we see at the end. It's like a werewolf, a ghost, um, our Hellraiser, zombies, um, the Shining Twins. Like we see like yeah. all of these things. They're they generally all seem like they're from American movies. Right. And so I do wonder if the idea is that the international facilities have like their own like set of monsters that they're just keeping local. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Haunt locally. Yeah. But I am curious though, like what, what ritual has to be performed like in Japan, for example, where like they seem to be targeting school children. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which is funny because the girls actually use a ritual to save themselves. <laughs> the power of, of friendship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is very cute. And this is when we get to meet Sigourney Weaver, too. Yeah, she is the head honcho of it all. She is, she's actually the one giving directives, we find out. And she's like, hey, guys, you kind of need to die. Otherwise, everyone dies. And I kind of thought if if I was if I was faced with that kind of decision, I I don't know, like maybe it's okay. Maybe you should just die. <laughs> right? To say it's like yeah. yeah, it's a really tough call. I mean, or not a tough call for probably most people. Um <laughs> but I think that like the idea is that five people need to die every year so that all seven plus billion people in the world can live. It's probably a pretty utilitarian trade 
<laughs> when you think about it, right? It seems fair to me. And, uh, you know, after seeing the zombies actually get up and attack me, I guess I'd believe them. I mean, why why not? Why not believe them at this point? If all these other weird things are true, then this one might be as well. But I, I don't know. No, I, I didn't agree. spend a whole movie being chased and terrorized, so it's not really fair for me to say. Well, I think that the thing that gets me is that they could either die, basically sacrifice themselves to save everyone else in the world, but they would have to die knowing that this ritual is going to continue forever. Or, That's also true. Or they die with the rest of the world. Either way, you're true. dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Either way, you're dying. And they're yeah. definitely dead at the end because that giant god hand comes up through the whole facility. I don't know how you could survive that. How satisfying is it that this movie ends with the world being destroyed? I love it. I really love the ending to this movie. I do too. It's the only way that all this made sense. I agree. I think that yeah. the ending of this movie is perfect. It is perfection. I think that these two characters are like, you know what? Let's just burn it down because if this is what we have to live with, then we might as well not live. And yeah. they uh, let the world get destroyed. And I think it's it's just so satisfying. So few movies commit to endings like that that yeah. it's really, really good. Yeah. Do love this. Do love this um, nice bow at the end. So this season, we have been collecting our favorite comedy moments and our favorite horror moments from each movie that we watch. And this movie is so good. I would love to know (laughs) what your top three comedy moments were. Ooh, I get to go first. Yes, please. Okay. We did talk about this one, but number three was the merman joke. I thought that was really funny. We see uh, this office worker played by Bradley Whitford. He has been dying to see a merman all his tenure, I guess, at this company, right? And of course, it's not the merman this time, um, and he's let down. But at the end, uh, he gets to get killed by one. So he does finally get to see his merman. And I thought that was very funny and a nice little wrap-up callback to the beginning. I agree. I also had the merman on my list, but I've got a backup one <laughs> to use. I figured I just... you would have so many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the full circle of that joke. Yes. I appreciate it. Yeah. The second joke that I really loved was the fuck you to the Japanese girls after they survive. <laughs> <laughs> that one was good. Yeah. Richard Jenkins character is so pissed because somebody has to get it right. Either America or Japan or any other country that's involved in this scheme. Right. Somebody has to get it right to keep the monsters away, to keep the the gods away. And now that the Japanese girls have failed to die, it's totally on America. It's it's all on us to get right. And he just starts like swearing at them at the TV monitor. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. And it's so funny because they're just these little girls. <laughs> and all these they did really was live. cute little girls. <laughs> and he says it as they're singing in a circle holding hands. <laughs> it's so good. Well, my last uh, top joke, my, my number one joke is a little more broad. Um, 
So I hope I don't take everything out of your list, but it's, it's basically just the workplace humor that goes on in this movie. Um, we talked about the speakerphone prank. We talked about the whiteboard. We talked about the celebration when the ritual is complete. Uh, really funny. This is what everyone does at the end of a project, right? You, you mm-hmm. celebrate, you have a shot, you talk with your friends and just enjoy yourself and feel good, except people aren't usually murdered. But uh, I also love this additional scene where we get to the first death in the ritual and everybody is standing around the monitor watching to see the girl take her top off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So good. And and after she does, they get told, go back to work. Stop lollygagging. <laughs> they just it just gets waved off. I just found all that so funny because it's so true. Anybody who's worked at an office can can relate. I love it. Uh oh my gosh, all your moments are amazing. Uh my <laughs> two out of my three are also with the corporate guys. Um yeah. just because it's it's so good. There are so many moments in this movie though. My number three is a very, very quick moment. It's when they are partying in the cabin. You know, they've got music playing. Jules is dancing. And there's a cut to our two older corporate guys who are also dancing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) In the room. And it just, oh, my gosh, it just cracks me up every time. So funny. (laughs) My second favorite is <laughs> Marty, who's the only one who has any shred of sense among these young folk. He's in the basement and he's trying to get everybody to go back upstairs. And he's like, I dare us all to leave the basement. I dare us all <laughs> to leave this place. And when they're reading the diary that that triggers the haunt, Marty says, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> and I just felt like, oh my God, he's taking the words out of my mouth from every time I've ever watched a horror movie. Exactly. <laughs> and my number one is the whiteboard. It has to be the whiteboard. It's the whiteboard. like the betting scene, the whiteboard, Ronald the intern winning, like everything <laughs> about the betting. I'm like, this is exactly how an American workplace would handle this shit. <laughs> Oh my God, you're totally right. We did a white elephant at my work a couple years ago before the pandemic. And we have some restrictions about what contractors can and cannot participate in with the rest of the company. Um, but we let them we let them slide with with uh, some white elephant. And this year we had a white elephant top prize that was paid for by the company, and it was a prize worth several hundred dollars. <laughs> And one of our contractors won it. <laughs> it was <laughs> just so funny. Um, and that's what it reminded me of seeing the intern win the pool. It's like, <laughs> you don't even really work here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so perfect. Horror, though, you know, this movie has a ton of horror elements, but it sometimes it gets hard to, to extract them because they are it's used ironically with the characters and, and so on. But I, I was able to find three moments that I thought were pretty scary in this movie. Number one, or I guess I should say number three, uh, was the creepy basement. Of course. Yes. It's just a collection of everything you've ever seen in a horror movie. There's dolls, old clothes, movie reels, a scary book about cutting people up and torturing them. It's It's got a lot of creepy stuff in it. It's so over the top. Yeah, it's really funny. It's like every direction of horror in that basement. 
I know uh, on the whiteboard, one of the items is a snowman. And I'm like, ooh, what did they have in the basement? Did they have like a snow globe or something? Like it makes you it makes you want to like really pay attention during the basement scene to try and connect it to the whiteboard, which is it's fun. It's almost like an Easter egg. Yeah. Number two was the idea of just realizing you're in a trap and you can't escape. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's a bit broader. Um, we do get hints of this being a conspiracy. Marty is all on top of this, and he knows it's a conspiracy. But again, he can't really do anything about it. Um, this is just someone's day job. They are being tracked and controlled, and it's just somebody's job. <laughs> it's like a really dark conspiracy happening to these people. Um, and we see this happening to people all over the world. It's a huge conspiracy. It's not just it's not just these five. It's not even just our country. It's every country across the world. Um, and I think that is actually a really scary thought. It's really existentially horrifying to think yes. like, oh, I don't actually control my life. <laughs> if someone just decided that I needed to die, I would just die. And then my top horror moment is, of course, the monsters fighting in the secret lab when the monsters escape. It's too many all at once. There's no way to stop all of them. I had the yeah. murder spree on my list too because yeah. it's it's relentless. I mean, there's just wave after wave after wave and these are creatures that just are made for killing. So yeah. scary. <laughs> it's the danger of harboring a bunch of monsters all in one place. So what were your top three? My top three, my number three was Dana's background death. So I thought that it was scary that we're we're there with Dana. We're seeing her get dragged by this zombie. And then it cuts back to she's just on a TV in the background getting quote unquote murdered. Like we know she escapes it later. But at the time you're watching these people like they turn off the volume on the TV and they turn up party music and they start drinking and like doing shots because they're like, we did it. And like, they, they like just don't care. They don't care anymore that she's getting murdered on screen. (laughs) They totally disassociated. Yeah. They just like, okay, our job's done. So like, we're, we don't need to pay attention anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that one was, um, was good. My second one was the storage units. So that moment when they go down the elevator and the lights kind of come on and they just see this like endless stack of of monsters and the monsters that they see, I mean, Marty and Dana are both kind of having their own crises with the various (laughs) monsters that they see, especially when Dana sees that like pinhead Hellraiser character. (laughs) scary yeah the way he's just like staring at her super creepy yeah and my number one is the very first death in this movie which is Jules death and yeah I had to give it to Jules because I did not think based on how the first like 15 20 minutes of this movie went that they would actually commit to like killing these characters And the fact that she just gets so brutally killed and then they just systematically kill all of these characters as the movie goes, it just is set up really well with Jules at the beginning. I agree. 
it's like the first time you realize, oh, this is actually still a horror movie. It's not just a comedy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things that we have talked about outside of the podcast is, you know, horror movies can have happy endings, but they can also have bad endings, <laughs> tragic endings, scary endings. Comedies only have happy endings. That's just part right. of the genre. Comedy only ever has a happy ending. This movie does not have a happy ending. Literally, the world gets destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a happy ending for the underground gods, and that's about it. Exactly. <laughs> so, Kate, I know we don't have to ask, but I must ask, did you like this movie, and do you recommend it? Yes and yes. I do. <laughs> Go watch it. It's great. It's so fun. It's it's got some good horror elements to it, but it's not so scary that you couldn't watch it with your friends who are a little squeamish. Uh, because I think that in between some of the gorier bits, there's so much comedy and they do so much to like lighten the atmosphere that it's um, just a really solid all around movie. It's a great comedy and it's a good horror movie. Yeah, I also really like this movie and I highly recommend it. It's very horror forward. We talked a lot about the jokes, but the jokes are nestled within gruesomeness. It's not it's not just like a throwaway joke. They're it's funny because it is so gruesome um and and what's happening to the characters. So, if you don't like scary movies, you you may not like this one. But if you do like scary movies and you want a little comedy in your horror, I do recommend it. It's it's really fun and it's a really smart movie. It's such a good movie for people who are fans of horror movies because if you've seen a lot of horror movies, you'll just pick up yeah. on so many details. I mean, even just like the whiteboard, like trying to p pick out like, oh, Kevin equals Jason and <laughs> Helllord is Hellraiser. You know, just like those things are really fun and watching their interpretations of of these monsters and just the sheer number of monsters they managed to fit in. Um, I'm sure that there's like a ton of tropes that like we missed or monsters that we didn't call out just because this movie is like so jam-packed with them. Well, we hope you enjoyed this funny movie, scary movie. Take your pick with us and we will catch you next week when we talk Beetlejuice. 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 <gasps> <laughs>